0: Hi everyone! Welcome to the Farm Commons Podcast, where we explore timely and important legal issues and questions facing the farming community today. For community-based farms with a focus on sustainability, managing legal risks is especially important as many innovative farm enterprises like community-supported agriculture programs, on-farm suppers, and gardening classes, and unique arrangements for land access and employment do not fit neatly into our legal system, leading to vulnerability. But Through legal education, we can cultivate greater resilience for your farm business so that you can continue to grow in ways that best support you, your relationships, and your community. At Farm Commons, we'll show you why and how. Thanks for tuning in. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Farm Commons podcast. This is Eva here. I'm an educator with Farm Commons and I'm your host for the show. So today we are continuing our back to legal basics series that we are going through this summer as a way to support you as you check into the foundation of your farm business. legal foundation that is uh, to make sure that things are strong where they need to be and if not uh, this is an opportunity to reflect on what you might want to tune up so today we are going to be covering the topic of farm couples and how to manage the stress that can come with farming with a romantic partner on the farm Um, and I'm pausing here because I'm realizing, you know, farm couples can also mean best friends farming together, really anyone in a close relationship together on the farm running the business, but especially folks who are in a romantic relationship together um, because stress can build up between partners and communication can get lost in the literal weeds as folks are trying to figure stuff out Um, because many times farming lifestyle is shared by the entire family so spouses who farm together um, including their children so kids who become a part of the operation too and even where one person is the primary operator of the farm spouses often get pulled in to help um, often but out of necessity So many marriages are founded on uh, mutual admiration and desire for a farming lifestyle, but that's not always the case. Um, And farming with a spouse, whether it's a true co-ownership or just the occasional help here and there as necessary uh, can can really make things more fun through uh, enjoyable experiences, new successes and living out shared values together as a unit through the farm business. But of course, like anything, there's two sides to every coin and firming with a spouse can introduce new challenges. Uh, people have different working styles and expectations and ways of communicating, ways of weeding, ways of ordering seed, um, ways of packing the truck to go to market, and also different appetites for risk or tolerance for chaos. So these these, these differences can cause abundant stress and when that stress doesn't stay at work and so when it comes into the home to the dinner table and then also goes to bed at night things can get hard to handle so managing stress for farming couples really is essential and it is part of legal risk management and when it's not addressed it can destroy not just the relationship or the marriage but also the farm business as well So often when we're talking about stress between couples, the usual prescription is something like couples counseling or talk therapy or maybe um, a relationship or a marriage book that your friends have tried and highly recommend to you. And, And for sure, there's, a lot of value to working with another support person or group to talk through the challenges and the issues. But there are other complementary solutions to help manage stress that you can um, put in place proactively. Uh, Approaches like good sleep, healthy food, and um, regular eating times. Um, Those lifestyle aspects also play a role. So today, we want to take a moment to talk about the role of paperwork in managing farm stress. And I say paperwork with emphasis because like, oh my gosh, paperwork, like who needs more of that? Paperwork causes stress and I don't want any more of it. So how can paperwork reduce stress? (laughs) If that's what you're wondering, you're not alone. Um, But what we're talking about here is about Doing things that we normally think of as burdensome um, and maybe even useless, you know, why take the time to create more paperwork and reframing our perspective to explore how those functions can actually solve or even ease and sometimes even prevent stress. So that's what we're going to explore today. So we're going to cover three ways that strong paperwork processes can ease stress between farming couples and those three ways are um, the first regular farm business meetings that have preset agendas and the second is compensation paperwork. And the third to round us out is job descriptions, yours and your employees. And so I'm grateful to be here today with our director, Rachel, who is going to walk us through each of these three pathways into paperwork that we promise you. They might seem burdensome at first, but they will um, incorporate more ease and enjoyment into your life. Isn't that right, Rachel? Absolutely. I love talking about this subject because it's,
1: it's not intuitive. Paperwork is like something we're supposed to avoid, and it's something that causes us trouble, not something that solves problems. Uh, but we're here to, to claim and, and show otherwise. Um, one of the little phrases that we toss around sometimes at Farm Commons is, Paperwork is revolutionary. And that seems weird. You know, isn't paperwork like the antithesis of revolution? It's just the rote boring things we have to do. Well, if I can explain, paperwork is generally a memorialization of something that is important to us. So we use paperwork to create our farms, to, you know, establish them as a business. We use paperwork to open bank accounts, create agreements with business partners and buyers. And in in the most deepest authentic sense, each of those is actually an opportunity. It's an opportunity to live into our values. I mean, that's why we're forming a farm. That's why we're working with people and having partners and buyers is because we really believe in in what we're doing. So paperwork can actually be an opportunity to recognize what we want and what we're working towards and commit to it on paper. And that itself is significant farmers are often doers. I mean, they got to, you know, farmers have a preference for action, not, not a preference for paperwork. So a lot of times uh, we in our farming community would much rather like do or live our commitment and not write it down. But it's worth taking this moment to pause to say, look, that's, you know, living and doing our commitments are great, but there is special power in writing things down. That is actually sometimes what helps us live and do our values. It gives those things strength. So I do see paperwork as an opportunity really to create the world that we want to see. And I think it's also a really valuable and underutilized tool to help us build the kind of marriage and family life that we we also want. Um, And we're talking about this, whether it's a legal marriage or, you know, any other type of commitment that, um, you know, people make to each other. So we're, uh, where we do say marriage, know that we are thinking more inclusively, just using a little shortcut. So let me dive into our first key, key way in which paperwork can actually reduce stress for farm couples. Now that's farm business meetings, where you've got preset agendas. So, you know, we're no stranger to meetings. Many farm couples already have a system of more annual style meetings and decision makings. Like, you know, folks might set out a production plan each year. We might discuss our marketing plan and agree on a budget. You know, we get that stuff firmed up before the next production cycle is underway. And even if the process isn't very formal or official, most folks are moving forward with a shared if rough idea of what we're growing or raising and how we're gonna sell it. Now, as an aside, of course, if you're thinking, oh, but wait, I, I don't have a rough idea with my partner about what we're growing or raising. Hey, you got your first action step right there. You can get on the same page about that rough idea. And when you've gotten that far, come back to us for a little bit more of these advanced tips that we are going to get into. So most folks will be on that rough, same basic page about production with their farming partner. But Eva, you and I know how it goes. It's, it goes like this at Farm Commons too, actually. It's not just farming. One month into the best laid plans and it's all like off the rails. You know, the weather has has made other decisions. Market conditions have changed. You know, the budget is nothing but an illusion anymore. And that's when the stress really hits. We went through this work of trying to come up with a plan and then reality is like all over the place. So the problem is that this is often when farming couples stop talking about things. Everyone starts making changes. Everybody starts doing things and we've got to because we're in, we're, now we're into our production cycle. The decisions become instincts. And when couples have a chance to, to catch up with that, um, you know, we, we've lost our familiarity. When do or should we be checking those instincts? So things really snowball and and members of that partnership become more isolated from each other. You know, like when one farming partner uh, makes an, a decision based on instinct or, or good logic, well, that becomes his or her decision. And then I, I don't know what, what he or she is doing, so I'm not even really sure how to help out. So I feel isolated because I can't help. They feel isolated because I'm not helping. So, you know, it just gets it gets bad. And the good news is that there there are some solutions we can look at for how to help these these scenarios work out better. (laughs) So imagine if we have our farmers, Jackie and Jamie, imagine if they had a biweekly meeting, a standing meeting on Tuesday mornings, 7.30 in the morning at a nice comfortable space, like maybe a nice neutral living room or a coffee shop, And imagine that every other week they sit down to discuss a preset agenda, the same exact agenda every week. And let's say that that agenda is, how are you feeling? What's going well? What do you wish would improve? And what action steps are doable over the next two weeks? So imagine that they sat down together every other week no matter what, whether things were good, bad, or in between. Having that standing meeting with that set agenda can actually help to prevent some problems and stress from happening because we're getting on the same page proactively. We're taking that time to acknowledge where the other person is at, what struggles they're facing. So um, so it can be a really good process for that. Now, of course, there are problems that are gonna be unavoidable, but it's also really helpful to set aside that time just to let people verbalize that. We're getting a chance to feel heard and to seek support for the situations we're experiencing on the farm. So it's pretty hard to come away from this seeing it as a bad thing, right? I mean, what could be wrong with, with these meetings? And that is the easy part. It's easy to say, yeah, sounds great, sure, you know, we're going to do it. But it's a lot harder to actually do these things and that's the key part for paperwork. That's really where paperwork can step in to help us commit to our goals and live out our real values. So what we can do is we can actually put a legal twist on this idea of a meeting. Farming couples can show, show that they have a really deep and authentic commitment to this communication through legal documents you probably heard of a little something called the operating agreement. And if you haven't, that's a governance document for an LLC. The very first one of these that I ever helped draft, I was a very baby attorney, probably hadn't been doing things for more than like two months. (laughs) And I worked with this uh, wonderful, um, and they were friends um, who worked closely together, Uh, this wonderful partnership they wrote into the operating agreement a provision that they would meet every other week to discuss financial reports. And they were gonna to commit to doing, to do that year round, no matter what. Now, as a young attorney, I was like, whoa, okay. That's a little intense for the operating agreement. You know, you don't actually have to write in Tuesdays at 9 a.m. But they did because it was, it was really important to them. Um, and it required a serious demonstration of commitment. And they limited their meeting to just discussing financial reports. None of that, you know, squishy stuff about feelings and, um, and, and worries and concerns. Uh, but it was, to me, that was a really um, powerful thing for, for them to do and to set aside that time um, as really important to discuss. So um, that's been something that I have been recommending to farmers uh, since then as, as a way to prevent stress and get ahead of problems. So for other folks, writing in that policy of biweekly meetings can be a really, really smart move. This provision could say something like, we strive to meet every other week at a mutually agreed upon time and neutral space to discuss the production season between ourselves and not to meet at that same time with employees or relatives. We will follow an agreed upon agenda that emphasizes creating space to discuss feelings, needs, and concerns. Specifically, we agree to set out a meeting schedule annually a meeting schedule annually and to rigorously prioritize attendance at every scheduled meeting. So, you know, you, you can you can hear what I'm getting at there. I'm not saying we're meeting Tuesdays at noon. I'm saying this is really important and we're committing to this, and we're committing to discussing these things of importance. And you describe them more generally, but in, in terms that are strong. So I think that everybody can experience that when we write out our intentions into real written words, they take on some new meaning. We, When we write a provision like that, we say to ourselves, oh, wait, wait, what's the point of this meeting? What are we trying to emphasize? Wait, is this about feelings, needs, and concerns? Or is this more about like getting input or offering support? And the two folks can work together to decide for themselves what really is the point? And are we sure that we're expressing that goal and that point in words that make sense to us? So the process of writing it down is really just the process of more deeply understanding what we are doing, our intentions, and why. And then we make it legal, in finger quotes, when we put it in the operating agreement as, You know, just a really deep expression of our commitment, that it goes to the foundation of what this business is and our goals together. Uh, Earlier today, I was talking with another Farm Commons staff person, um, and her and I often discuss um, Brene Brown together. You might uh, be familiar um, as, an, you know. Uh, fabulous podcaster. And, um, and this was our, our colleague, Sarah. And Sarah said to me that um, she got a quote from the latest Brene Brown podcast, something like, the bridge between intentions and reality is writing it down. Ooh. And I thought, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <Really> <laughs> exactly. Good. Writing something down is the bridge between what you intend to do and having you actually do it. So it's just, it's, it's so key. And that's why something like an operating agreement is here for us. It's here to help us memorialize what's important and help us follow through on it.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, Rachel, as you were speaking, uh, I was envisioning a farm couple sitting down to the table together, um, maybe for one of these pre-scheduled meetings with a set agenda, and you know, just the two options that you gave. Um, the one where the farming partnership just wanted to talk about financials, none of the mushy stuff. And then the other example of, you know, starting with how are you feeling? What's not working for you? What could be improved? And you know, working in more of the um, the emotional needs aspects that are very much important to our experience as humans and our experience. Um, you know positively and meaningfully contributing to a business and a relationship um i was thinking about um my partner and i were going through premarital counseling right now and we have this book that we're working with our counselor through and there's this chapter called fighting fair and in that chapter it talks about um conflict resolution and when you're when you're needing to bring up a hard issue it can be really helpful to identify um you know what you are coming to that conversation needing and one of the options they presented was um let your partner know that you need you need them to listen and so share more of you know how i'm feeling this is what i need um and then another option excuse me i've got like a frog living in my throat right now <laughs> the other option is problem solving and so let your partner know like i have this issue or i have this need and i want to figure it out together and you know having the that good communication of what you're trying to achieve together um can be really helpful so yes schedule the meeting set the agenda and then also the communication tools can help you um move through that conversation with your spouse or your romantic partner as you discuss things on the farm, because you might just want to talk about financials and keep it to that. Um, Or you might be needing to solve a problem or just air your grievances about how the flower patch was um, netted with the wrong netting and you didn't like how the net Laid just so on the stakes it wasn't visually appealing and a tour was coming through it was all wrong, you know that those those are important things to air out because resentment can build up and um, you know snowball from there, and so I think. The good communication having the agenda scheduling the meeting, um, and then I love what you and Sarah discussed from. Queen Brene Brown, (laughs) who weaves it all together, um, that the bridge between intentions and reality is writing it down, Um, because my partner and I also have a notebook that we found, you know, one of those cute notebooks that have quotes on them, and it says master plan, and whenever we're serious about something, whether it's buying a home or, um, you know, opening up a new bank account, you know, all of these things that people in business do together as well, um, we write down our intentions in that master plan book, and that that really helps hold us to what we said we were going to set out to do together.
1: Awesome, I like it. I like it. But at this point, I think we do need to we need to shift a little bit away from um, the squishy feelings, and we do need to talk about money, because so often the the hurts, the pain, the struggles, the stress, it all comes down to money. So what we can, whatever we can do to ease some of those struggles of money and finance can be a tremendous benefit to our stress reduction as well. But the similarities between money and feelings are that they're both hard to talk about. You know, it's, it, it is itself a very emotional process to, to talk about money. And there's some fascinating books written on, the, you know, like the emotional weight and significance of discussing Dollars and and what they mean to us and our identity. So it's fair. It's fair that money causes a lot of stress and fair that we can't avoid talking about it. So I think uh, if we can find new ways for couples to have constructive conversations about money, particularly who gets paid, when and how, we're going to be in a better place to facilitate stronger relationships and reduce stress. And I do want to be specific about this as a conversation of who gets paid, when, and how, because what I'm not talking about right now is farm profitability. Sure, a lot of couples work together to make sure that the farm is profitable, but just because the farm is profitable doesn't mean that I have money to buy things that I want, to do things like, you know, go visit my sister in the next state over, or, you know, enroll my kids in in a summer camp. So I think that's where some particular problems um, start to come in uh, for farm families as well is how do we take this conversation beyond just is the farm making money to do I have what I need um, to to meet my needs uh, for, for money? So the good news is there's also opportunities for us to use paperwork and to memorialize our intentions with agreements around compensation. So I got a couple of different parameters where I want to I help discuss that um, with y'all today. And first, I'm going to start with a situation where our, our co-farmers are also co-owners. Let's say that um, our farming couple here each has an ownership stake in the business, and let's say their stake is equal, because that's often how it goes. But hey, I mean, how are we getting paid? And when are we getting paid as individual people? This can be a problem because the farm business does have the power as a business to keep all the profits in the farm. We can just keep buying equipment and, you know, keep investing in infrastructure. We don't have to pay wages in many situations. And that can be a problem because some members of the farming couple might need or want money for their personal things. So how do we talk about that? And how do we tie that into um, the businesses? function. So those who have a partnership, meaning they did not form a formal business structure like a corporation or an LLC, folks with a partnership um, are sometimes running farm expenses and personal expenses out of the same account. So that's that introduces ease because, hey, if, if I want to buy Christmas presents, I just do it out of the same bank account. But it can also be problematic because there's not that specific designation of how much of that money is available for personal expenses like Christmas presents. So that can be more challenging. But even if we do have separate bank accounts, we have a communication challenge about when to literally transfer those funds. Like, hey, it's November, could we move some of that money into our personal account so that I can buy Christmas presents? So the real question is like, when and how do we do that? How do we as a farming couple make those decisions and document them? So it's probably clear that this is a really essential conversation um, for any farm couple because we all need to know what money is available to us to spend. And we also know that this is really anxiety inducing um, to have this conversation Very often, we disagree about how much money should be available for personal expenses and what business investments we need to continue to make. So we have decisions. We have decisions we need to make as a farming couple about when is money available to spend, and then we got to write it down. For where we do that, of course, we go back to the same legal documents we've been talking about so far. If we are organized as a partnership, we have a partnership agreement and it's the same, Um, well, let me correct myself, Um, the partnership agreement can help us organize um, when we're going to give ourselves um, money, or the factors on which we'll make that decision. A lot of farming couples have between them very simple agreements, like before the property taxes are due, we will transfer, you know, sufficient money to cover the property taxes, or before the mortgage payment is due every month, we're going to make sure we've moved enough to pay the mortgage. Some will even go so far as, you know, we'll aim to, you know, to transfer $500 for groceries per month or, you know, transfer funds in accordance with the family budget that we set out. That's awesome. I mean, it's it's really wonderful if we can get to the point where we have written down when we need money and how much that is and that we have memorialized that in some sort of a commitment to each other the partnership agreement or operating agreement is a great place to uh, to start. I'm gonna talk more specifically in a moment about how, how we do that with LLCs and corporations because we have more options for how we pay ourselves. But before I get to that, I wanna point out a really cool <laughs> um, utility of, of having this written down in a partnership agreement. Now. If I am the spouse that wants to uh, take a take a long weekend out of state and I'm going to my spouse and saying, hey, I want to go, you know, blah, blah, blah. I want to do this thing. Can we have money to do that? It's It's me asking. And, you know, I'm going to them to seek agreement. And we have this weird power thing and we might be pressing a lot of... <laughs> a lot of buttons in our past or our history together about about that that power dynamic or who spends more money or who visits their relatives too often and who doesn't want to visit relatives. And, you know, there's a lot going on there. When we can go, go into this conversation saying something like, hey, the budget, <laughs> the budget has a thousand bucks for a vacation in it. It's my plan to go visit my sister, you know, for the long weekends coming up, just wanted to let you know I was going to draw on those phones. That's, you know, this is my decision about how I want to use that $1,000 already set aside. The budget becomes a neutral arbiter of decisions. It's not me who's coming again to ask for money. This, this, this neutral third party, this document says that that money is available to me. And we agreed on that document. So it can help externalize what can be emotional decisions and give us that that other place to turn to say, look, you know, this is a cool decision. We talked about it before. I'm just letting you know I'm going to go forward on that. So it can help take some of that emotion out. But let me get back to our LLCs and corporations. I wanna make sure I, I stress that we can structure payment in a couple of different ways. Guarantee payments and owner draws are two ways that folks who have LLC specifically get themselves paid. An owner's draw is usually something that an individual can do for themselves. So either spouse can make an owner's draw, but it requires that they have accumulated equity. So that means that the form is or has been profitable. And that is not always the case particularly if that uh, that revenue has been kept in the business and spent on business expenses. So where we need money um, for our personal expenses um, but the farm isn't profitable, we need some sort of guaranteed payment set up. And a guaranteed payment is a provision that allows us to have money from the business even if it's not profitable. But guaranteed payments, because um, they can cause a loss, have to be agreed upon, and they need to be agreed upon in the operating agreement, and that should lay out when, how much, when you know when are these guaranteed payments made. So, super important to to have that discussion and make sure that even if the farm isn't profitable, we can still take care of our basic needs. So this isn't meant to be advice on how to pay yourself. You know, it really is about stress reduction and the opportunity to use these decisions and these documents to reduce stress. So um, some folks get a salary, particularly those who have corporations. But even if you are set up as giving yourself a salary, you usually are planning for dividends and owner draws in addition to that. So co-owners are gonna want to work together to make sure and usually in consultation with an accountant um, to to make good decisions about that. An accountant is another nice neutral third party arbiter that you can tie in to say, look, now is a good time um, for an owner's draw. Now is a good, guarantee payments are advisable. So think about those resources and who you can pull together to help you come up with a good decision about how to structure uh, payments. The last thing I want to mention on this subject is that sometimes we have a spouse that is not an owner, and so they don't have that ownership stake and they don't have the power to make decisions um, about guarantee payments and owner draws. But sometimes the person is still working for the farm. They're just more like a permanent volunteer. So. Folks who are familiar with our work might have heard us say in other contexts that you can't have a volunteer for a for-profit business. And all we're going to say right now is that spouses are a bit of a special case. And for the purposes of today's discussion, I want to emphasize that where our spouse is volunteering, let's make sure that we are honest with ourselves and clear about that. This This is labor that that person is contributing without monetary or ownership return. Now that's fine if that's fine. If that works for the two people involved, great. But let's acknowledge that on a regular basis because we should be reminded of the selfless contribution that that individual is making. It's good for the relationship. We all know resentment can be a real romance killer. So um, acknowledging that they are actually volunteering for us day in and day out um, is a good, a good exercise. So that's what I got for you on on managing compensation. Uh, To close us out, though, there is something in between owner and volunteer, of course, and that's employee. I'll admit, especially as the director of a nonprofit organization, sometimes sounds amazing to just be an employee. You know, You do an hour's worth of work and somebody pays you for it and you don't have all the responsibility and not all the decisions. This is imminently possible with farming couples. It's not common for one member of the spousal unit to be an employee, but I'm not sure why. Folks can and do work for their spouses sometimes, and it can be an amazing way to create clarity and realms of authority when it comes to jobs. it It can be really the best way for some farming couples.
0: Yeah, you're right, Rachel. I don't know of any farm businesses that are close to me, like I'm aware of how their business is structured, where um, one spouse or romantic partner is employing the other. But um, if y'all tuned into our first episode in this series farming with family getting in and getting out I had shared how in my previous relationship we ran a farm as um member owners equal member owners of an LLC and it would have been great to have one of us employed by the other so um grateful for your plug to (laughs) say it's it can be a a more stress-free um option but in terms of roles and responsibilities and figuring out who's doing what, um, our third point here can be really helpful um, in, in managing and reducing stress, and that is the job description. Um, so, Rachel, what, what do you got on job descriptions?
1: Yeah, job descriptions are, are so essential to a good working relationship. Now, you know, you can probably already assume that when you're hiring an employee, um, you know, that's that's dare we say, off the street, that's not your spouse, <laughs> but it's especially and even more important when they are your spouse. You know, if you want something done your way, you got to be able to explain clearly and consistently what your way is, and even better that you that you document that. Sometimes we assume that just because we know how that person makes a ham sandwich, that we know how that person wants their tomatoes list. and that's not the case. So come up with clear job descriptions um, and have clear like task manuals and instructions for how you want things done. And you're going to give other people the power to do it that way. If they're working for you, they want to, they want to do it that way, or they want to do it your way. And that's, that's just as true when this person is our spouse as when they are a more distant employee. Let me pull in another Brene Brown quote, clear is kind and kind is clear. So write it down. Clarity comes from writing it down, and that's the memorialization. Document those expectations, how things should be done, and uh, and we're going to have an easier an easier life together. So, and and you know, being clear with expectations and job descriptions isn't just about like wage earning employment with our spouse. This is also about being co owners. Oftentimes, we do have farming couples have very clear realms of authority, like. I raise the cattle, but you market the beef. You know, it's still extremely important that I be able to document how we sort animals so that you can help me without me yelling at you. And same with how we set up at the farmer's market. Your partner wants to know how to set things up so that they don't get yelled at either. Nobody wants stress. So clear as kind, kind as clear. Job descriptions, task manuals, all that good stuff. Those ones are a little less legal, I'll say, than operating agreements and, you know, ownership percentages and guarantee payments. That stuff's a little more legal in the finger quotes because they, those things can be enforced. Job descriptions and task manuals, you know, they can't be enforced, but they are still really important paperwork to help us lead our best lives together on the farm together.
0: Super. Well, thanks, Rachel, for walking us through those three excellent ways to manage stress between farming couples through uh, strong paperwork processes of one, setting regular farm business meetings with preset agendas, and two, compensation paperwork, and then three, job descriptions. Yours and your employees, who you know, after listening to this episode, maybe your spouse, um, you know not too long from now so thanks so much for sharing those tips and we hope you all have gleaned some good inspiration to um, check into the foundation of your farm business specific to your relationship within the farm business and um, yeah wishing you all the best of luck as we move from the summer season towards the fall thanks for tuning in we hope you enjoyed this episode of the farm commons podcast for more information on what you just heard, as well as a variety of farm law guides, models, checklists, flowcharts, and more, visit our website at farmcommons.org. You can also email us at info@farmcommons.org if you have any questions or comments about this podcast or any of our online materials. Thanks everyone for listening and keep on growing.